It's the Scoop on Life. We welcome you in. I'm Chase Robinson. This is Lauren Robinson. Pleased that you are joining us here this week. And uh, we've got uh, Andrew Wood joining us as our guest here on the Scoop on Life. He is the Executive Director of the Hope Resource Center in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's a speaker, writer, and he is host of the uh, of a conversation on life. So we are uh, pleased to have Andrew Wood join us here. Welcome in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Andrew, we'll just jump in here. Um, our podcast, as we've talked about the last few weeks, um, if you're listening, is meant to help um, our listeners grow in their understanding of being pro-life, how to defend the pro-life position, how to feel the weight of what it means to be pro-life, how to serve in the pro-abundant life movement, as we talked about a few weeks ago with Roland Warren, um, and to show the value of all of life from womb to tomb. So, Andrew, you're the executive director of a Pregnancy Resource Center in Knoxville. You have your own pro-life uh, podcast, A Conversation on Life. And so just tell us a minute, um, why are you pro-life and why is knowing the why behind that um, important? Sure. Well, for me, uh, for a long time, my pro-lifeness was birthed from uh, politics. I, I, I often say that I've been pro-life since since I came out of the womb. That's <laughs> all I've ever known. That's all my, my family's ever known. Uh, there was never a, a, a wrestling moment for me of, okay, is, is abortion okay or not okay? It was just, you know, I was, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. I was raised in church. It was, it was talked about. We, we had those discussions. So it was never a wrestling match for me. But I will say, for, for a long time, my pro-lifeness was, was rooted in my politics. And, uh, and that's, a, uh, that's a scary thing looking back now on that. that that's not a, not a gospel-centric way of looking at life. And, and so for a long time, I cared. I, I've been a Christian for a long time, but, but there's also been, uh, you know, after I turned 18 and kind of went into college, there was a, a large part of my life where I cared more about how you voted than where your soul would end up for eternity. And, and so for me, politics became an idol, and it, and it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a good thing. And so what, what kind of brought it all together for, for us, my wife and I, is we moved to Knoxville. A friend of my wife got pregnant. She was a, a non-believer. Uh, the, the boyfriend was in the picture. Everything was going to be fine. And about eight months pregnant, she uh, was told that her baby was dead and, and, and delivered a stillborn. And it, it wrecked us. And I remember in that moment, even though this mom wanted to have the baby and, and was choosing life, but uh, some things occurred, I remember thinking, and I looked at my wife and I said, we aren't doing anything. Uh, we vote and we may put the sticker on our car and we may say the right things, but we have in my lifetime not done anything to truly move the ball down the field when it comes to the life issue. And so uh, that's when I, I just Googled pregnancy center in Knoxville. I knew there was pregnancy centers. And so I just Googled pregnancy center in Knoxville and came across Hope Resource Center and just reached out at that time i was uh leading a, a life group at my church of young married couples and uh, i was a bivocational kids pastor and i just reached out and said i don't know what i can do but i i want to do something and it's funny somebody on staff just yesterday sent me a screenshot of an e of that email that i sent uh even before i started working here and and so i i started kind of i would come here and and pray on a regular basis uh once a week i would just come in sit in one of the rooms and pray uh, for the needs of the center. We would get gift bags together for staff and for patients. And then one day I was sitting at my desk at the University of Tennessee and I got an email uh, 
because I was on the email list. Hey, do you know anyone that'd be interested in being a director and uh, at Hope? And I just couldn't shake it. And uh, when when we went through the interview process, I sat down with my wife and I remember sitting in the living room and saying, uh, if if I take this job right now, if we raise our kids the right way, one day they're going to ask us, what did you do while three thousand a baby while three thousand babies were aborted every single day? Yeah. And I said, right now our answer is. We voted and we put a sticker on our car. And I said, I'm not okay with that answer. If I take this job, the answer can be daddy got up every single day to, to see that abortion would be uh, ended in this country and, and see that, that moms would be loved and served well uh, during unplanned pregnancies. And so for me, that's the why. The why isn't anymore. And we've seen through Supreme Court justices and votes and elections that if we put our hope in the Oval Office, that if we put our hope in the Supreme Court, we're going to be uh, disappointed often. Right. And so and, and so we put our hope in our God that orchestrated life. And that is why we are pro-life. That's why I get up every day. That's why I do this. Uh, and that's why we speak about it as much as we can, because we want people to know that our pro-lifeness isn't in some superficial thing. It is, it is uh, r- rooted in, in the faith of uh, of Christianity, and it should be uh, that, that that our God, the God of the universe, was for life, and and we certainly should stand up for it as well. Well, that's really encouraging to hear that you weren't doing really anything, you know, regarding the pro life movement, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, um, not all of a sudden, but here you are now as the executive director of a resource center. And so, I would take this opportunity just to say to those of you that have been listening that we've given you ways over several weeks to be involved. You know, we're talking with Andrew Wood today, who wasn't doing really anything, would have said he was pro-life, would have voted that way. Now he's the executive director of a pregnancy resource center in Knoxville to say, start somewhere, you know, do something. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you just reached out to that local center. Um, that's really encouraging just to see that there can be, there can be um, going from nothing to something very quickly by just a change of heart and saying, what can I do to be involved? Well, and I can promise you, if you reach out to a pregnancy center and say, how can I pray for you? They're not going to go, you know what? We don't have any, right. any needs. Uh, no, they're they're going to say, yeah, we'd love for you to pray for us. Yeah. And that's how I got my foot in the door. That's that's that started that relationship. But for so many folks, it's it's getting ready for baby showers. It's maybe you're a nurse and it's volunteering your time. Uh, there's so many opportunities uh, to to get involved and to do something uh, so that we're not Christianity isn't about sitting on the sidelines. It's about doing something, and 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 actually loving our neighbors. And there's so many ways to do that. Uh, but that certainly includes those in the womb. And, and oftentimes the, the most vulnerable, which are those in the womb, are forgotten about. That's right. And you alluded this uh, a little bit in, your, in that first question. But, you know, Andrew, in your podcast, you talk a lot about current issues. You talk about abortion issues. You talked about what's going on with legislation. You talk about a lot of just current things that are really helpful for us to know and be educated on. Um, and as we talk to our listeners, you know, we want them to be able to have a good defense and, you know, in, to be able to engage in conversation um, with someone about about being pro-life um, and not just say, well, I am because I think that's the right thing. Or like you said, you know, you would have just voted that way. And so what do you think are, is one of the most important things or just some important things that you could share with us about our defense as Christ followers to our pro-life position? You're not, oh, oh, I just think it's good or it's right. But like, what is our defense or what are some of our defenses sure. Yeah, I, w- I would first say that voting for and putting the bumper sticker on your car is not a bad thing. <laughs> I encourage those things. Right. Um, the, the reason that I spend the time I do every single week talking about cultural issues and talking about legislation is because 
we don't have the platform that the abortion lobby has. And so you, you think about they're on all the morning shows, they're on all the, right. the nightly shows, they're inside the Oval Office, depending on who the president is. And, and then you, you, when all that gets changed, the conversation from a pro-life standpoint doesn't get that morning show platform. Uh, and certainly if we do get that platform, we're not extended the grace that the abortion lobby is extended. And so for us, we have to be prepared. And, and what the Lord has done in, in my life really since my early 20s, was he took this angry person. So I was Christian and I love people, but I was angry. And, and so I often tell people that I, I have no friends from college because I was a political science major and every class was me debating uh, about everything. And so no one wanted to hang out with me because I would bring up topics they didn't want to talk about. And so that's not healthy. What, what I would encourage you to do is have legitimate relationships with people. Be willing to talk to someone that disagrees with you. Now, you may walk away and y'all still don't agree, uh, but, but there's a, we're not going to reach any level of uh, movement if, if we're not willing to have conversations with people that disagree with us. That's not watering down the gospel. That's not watering down uh, where you stand on the issue of life, but it's being willing to, to have that conversation. I spoke uh, on the steps of the Supreme Court. NIFLA had a... Uh, and for those of you not familiar with NIFLA, they're an umbrella organization that works with pregnancy centers. And back a couple years ago, there was a Supreme Court case looking at the state of California and some other states where they were forcing pregnancy centers to have material in their lobby on the wall directing people to where they can go get an abortion. And we believe that was uh, against freedom of speech. We believed it was certainly against uh, religious liberty. And so... I drove to Washington, D.C., and I spoke on the Supreme Court steps on behalf of pregnancy centers and, and with NIFLA. And it was, a, it was a cold, rainy day, and uh, I didn't dress the part. I was in a nice suit, but I was really, really cold and did not wear the shoes that I needed to wear. And I remember that while I'm talking, there's a, uh, there's a right next to us, I mean right next to us, was a, a pro-choice rally going on as well. So you had both of the – we were trying to talk over each other. And, and what really would have been fruitful is if we just sat down with each other. But, of course, we can't do that in, in 2020. And so, so when, I'm, when I'm done, I'm walking around, and it's clear I'm freezing. My hands are cold. My, my, my teeth are chattering. And somebody from the other group, the, the pro-choice group, walked up, and, and they said, Honey, are you okay? Are you cold? And I was like, I am a little cold. Um, well, she was like, Well, you, you really need to get a jacket. And I remember thinking in that moment, she probably didn't know I just spoke on behalf of life. But at that moment, she just cared about an, another human being cold. And had I said, well, I just got off the stage of the pro-life rally, that probably would have changed the dynamic of that conversation. But it shouldn't change the dynamic of the right. conversation. And so we have to be willing at some point to see people as image bearers. If we're going to say that, that every human we come in contact with bears the image of our God, if we're going to say that includes those in the womb, then that also includes the CEO of Planned Parenthood. And that's hard at times, but that's the reality. And so how do we interact with them and engage with them in a meaningful way while also really being a champion, champion of life? And, and it, it takes work, and it's hard. It's hard to have those conversations and, and debates, and it's hard to – to truly wrestle with some of those things, but man, is it worth it. And, and the only way we're going to see a, a country 
where abortion is unthinkable is if we're willing to do that. And, and so that they can see where we're coming from and so that we can see where they're coming from. And ultimately what I believe is when that happens, we get to a place of going, uh, of hopefully them understanding that we truly are for the vulnerable. And, and I, I talked just this week about uh, how we have the, the abortion industry says they care deeply about the vulnerable and about women and women's rights. But the reality is they're making billions of dollars. No one said they have to charge to provide the services they provide, but they're choosing to charge the insurance companies, the taxpayers, and the patient. Pregnancy centers, on the other hand, choose to not charge. We choose to remove obstacles so that these patients can know that they're going to be loved and served well. And so those are little little conversations that you can have with people to get them to see, well, if, if this was such a big deal, why do you charge money for it? If you really wanted to, to just get to the matter at hand and, and serve, then quit charging. Uh, but they're not going to do that. Right, right. And that's so, you know, I've heard you talk about that a couple different times on the podcast. It's like, you know, the market, oh, we care about women's health and we care about this. And it's like, well, you also say that while you make these billions of dollars, yeah. you know, when you don't have to be. And it's just interesting to hear that, you know, and to say, well, then the, the pregnancy centers that that choose to to serve these women because we do love and care about them, um, you know, are just constantly being bombarded by the opposite side saying that we don't actually care about the woman and that we're not, we're not pro woman. It's just interesting to hear you talk about that. Um, and the differences there. Yeah. And Andrew, as a, as a center director, uh, at the hope resource center in Knoxville, uh, what do you see as some of the greatest needs pregnancy centers have that, uh, local churches and even believers uh, can help meet? Yeah, I would say, first off, the, the reason when you, when you look at the, the difference between the abortion industry and the pregnancy center industry, it isn't as if our budgets are so much bigger because the reality <laughs> is it's not. Right. And so it's, it's not like we just ha- we're sitting on billions of dollars and we're like, Oh, we'll provide that service at no cost because we have so much money. No, not at all. The, the needs that we have are, we need churches to, uh, to speak about this issue. I hear pastors sometimes say, well, obviously we're pro-life and against abortion. And I'm going, yeah, but it's not that obvious. I mean, I believe you, but I don't hear it from the pulpit. Like, I don't, I don't hear it. And so for us, January and February and sometimes March, I'm speaking at churches for Sanctity of Life, and I'm talking about it specifically. Um, but we want people to talk about the issue. We're not ever going to reach anything if we're not actually talking about it. And, and oftentimes when we talk about it, people are like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, I know because nobody's talking about it. And so another thing that I would remind the, the church in capital C church about is post-abortive people, not just women, not just men, but people. And every time I speak, I have, typically I'll have a man that comes up to me in his 60s, 70s, sobbing and saying, uh, I, I paid for, or I drove someone to get an abortion 30 years ago. And they're still carrying that weight. And so what that tells me is no one has said from the stage that, that the cross covers that. Now we don't agree with the decision that was made, but we do believe that, that Jesus died for our sins and that we shouldn't be carrying the weight and the burden of that. And so don't neglect the post-aborted people uh, that are around, and we know they're around, uh, certainly inside of our churches. 
And then I would say another need is we need, uh, we need folks that just come on board, volunteer, pray with us, uh, apply for a job. You know, maybe your career is running right along and everything's going well, but maybe the Lord is going to call you to leave that career and go serve at a pregnancy center. Maybe that's, that's an option for you where you can make a difference in the lives of, of so many. Uh, and so for me, that's the, the needs of the pregnancy center. Obviously, we're nonprofits. We need funds. Uh, but we also need people that are going to come alongside of us uh, and, and give their expertise. So maybe that's marketing. That's been a conversation we're having lately about how do we market to our patients and what does that look like? And do we need to shift some funds over to make sure that we're doing that? How do we use technology better? And so for some pregnancy centers, they don't have the staff that can help with that. But they could really use someone from the church. They could use someone from the community that could help kind of shape that for them. Uh, be willing to have a, a diverse, uh, generational diverse staff. I mean, at, at Hope, we have people that are as young as the early, or younger than 25, and we have folks that are on into their 60s. And, and we have everything in between because I, we need that. In order to serve our patients well, we need the wisdom of those that have, that have seen a lot more life. But we also need some of these younger folks coming in that, that understand what younger folks are going through right because uh, as, as young as i think i am believe me <laughs> there is i'm a grown i'm a i'm an old man when it comes to some of the things that are going on uh in in just culture in general and so and not to mention i'm a dude so it's a little bit different that way and so i think bringing folks together and not neglecting when you think about what are the organizations we're giving to what are the nonprofits that we're supporting what are the christian ministries that we're supporting do not neglect the pregnancy centers in your community. It's so important. I talk to churches all the time about uh, if, if, you have a, if you have pillars of, of kind of what the church stands for, life is going to be one of those. It certainly should be. And so if that's the case, what are you doing to help the pregnancy center in your community? And is that the pastor coming and praying over staff? Is that groups coming and, and taking care of baby showers, providing food for parenting class? Is that nurses coming and, and serving from the church over at the pregnancy center. There, there's so many opportunities there that I think sometimes we just neglect uh, to, to get involved when at, at times the church is overwhelmed. Well, everybody's saying we need to get involved and we need to do this and we need to do that. But the reality is the, the abortion issue isn't going to change until the, the church moves. That's what, that's what needs to happen. Right, and so um, wherever you're listening from, I would encourage you to, to look up and find where your closest pregnancy center is. And as Andrew said, if you call and ask, especially, you know, how can I pray, they're going to have ways that you can pray for their center, whether it's a specific client that they're dealing with, whether it's um, financial needs, whatever, whatever it is they have, they're going to have something that you can pray about. But then be up, above and beyond that, you know, whether you're, as he mentioned with his staff, whether you're in your 60s, whether in your 20s, whether in your 40s, there's probably something you can physically do to serve the center. Whether it's mm -hmm. you're a nurse and you can give two or three or four hours of your time one afternoon to go and help with pregnancy testing. Whether you're a teenager and you are looking to volunteer, they probably can put you in the baby boutique sorting clothes. There's something that everybody could probably physically do. But even aside from that, as we mentioned, even just praying, but specifically calling that center instead of just praying for the center as a whole, calling and say, how can we specifically support you in prayer? 
um, through the work that you do in and out every day. And they, I can guarantee you are going to tell you things, um, probably multiple things that you can be praying about. So Andrew, thank you for your wisdom there. Um, it's interesting to hear your perspective as the director, um, and to hear you say there are things and, and we know that. And even for me working at our pregnancy resource center, um, if you were to call and get me on the phone for sure. And any of our staff, we would probably have a good list of things you could pray for, but then also material needs that you could probably meet for us. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Andrew Wood is the Executive Director of Hope Resource Center in Knoxville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for taking time with us with The Scoop on Life. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you all. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew Wood, he is the Executive Director of Hope Resource Center up in Knoxville, Tennessee. We appreciate him taking time with us on The Scoop on Life, and we want to thank you for taking time with us, and we want to remind you of the ways you can listen Just search for The Scoop on Life on the Apple Podcast app and on Spotify and YouTube. So three places you can listen, Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and YouTube. Just search for The Scoop on Life. We're also on social media. Give us a like on Facebook and Instagram. Search for The Scoop on Life podcast, and you can keep up to date with everything we got going on, Um, our guests for the week, all that good stuff happening there on our social media on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again so much for hanging out with us for The Scoop on Life.